Hello and welcome back to the Muscle Engineer Podcast. I am your host, Sotak Andrei, and you are listening to episode 24, in which I am joined once again by my buddy and fellow podcast host, Abel Choboy, whom you might have heard in episode 12 of the podcast, where we discussed um, ad libitum dieting and uh, the pros and cons of macro tracking. In this episode, he joined me to discuss something that I wanted to do for a while now, and um, that's kind of going through and somewhat debunking a lot of practices that people do that have various utilities and necessities. Given my daily job, which is partially working in a gym and... um, partly working online with people, I see my fair share of stupidity and um, have the quote-unquote pleasure of hearing just how much crap people read online and um, what kind of behaviors and um, practices they do in order to advance their body composition. And not surprisingly, I guess, to you listeners most of them are simply unnecessary and often counterproductive, which is why I wanted to have Abel on to uh, have a back and forth and discuss these and hopefully, hopefully give people some insight into why they are perhaps not necessary. And um, hey, if I can convince just one person or at least help one person to abandon some of these practices and make their efforts somewhat easier or at least more straightforward than my mission has been accomplished here. So what you're going to hear is a pretty uh, free-flowing conversation. We had uh, our topics outlined, but it definitely wasn't the most um, organized or the most structured discussion. We actually wanted to do it this way. We wanted a back-and-forth conversation when both of us offered our perspectives and point of views so that's exactly how it turned out so enjoy i am sure that many of you will be able to relate to this if you are coaches then i'm sure you will be nodding along the way that yes i i deal with this too so if that's the case then feel free to pass it on to your clients or friends or family or whoever is facing some of these issues. So enjoy episode 24 of the Muscle Engineer Podcast with Abel Choboy. Okay, Abel, welcome back to the Muscle Engineer Podcast. Thank you, Andre. Thank you. It's uh, always a pleasure. Yeah, it's, it's great to hear you. And um, it's a very exciting time to be alive with the recent developments in our field and industry. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's uh, each day is a new day when you can go on Facebook and check everybody's updates and you never know when some new study is coming out that people are breaking down or maybe there is some new podcast where someone is spreading some wisdom and you can listen to it while you're in the gym. So yeah, it's it's uh, although recently my favorite experts have been pretty quiet. So it's been sad times for me recently, but oh well, it shall pass. Yeah, and uh Word was maybe Dave Asprey. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, actually, I used to follow him. Um, I actually wanted to do a podcast episode on this one time, like the most ridiculous things that I used to follow in fitness. 
and Dave Asprey and the whole bulletproof thing was definitely one of those. But I also used to follow John Kiefer, uh, the car backloading John Kiefer. And yeah, probably a lot of my friends uh, that I knew in 2015 will remember that I was just giving a lot of information about how you shouldn't eat carbs at night or shouldn't eat carbs in the morning because that uh, increases insulin production and that in conjunction with cortisol is going to make empty fat cells and whatever. Like I knew all of these things by heart. But yeah, those those were my dark, dark days, I should say. Yeah, yeah and that's a, actually that's a pretty, pretty good uh, segue into our main um, topic and area of discussion, which is, well, shortly uh, or um, briefly can be summarized as dumb stuff that people do that they perhaps should not be doing. There's quite a quite a lot to go through. I've been thinking about this and I think there are uh, four main categories that we can put these um, things and we can certainly take them one at a time. I think in my view that there are things that are absolutely necessary when it comes to nutrition and I don't know, maybe we can categorize this into fat loss and muscle gain or tackle them just generally what do you think yeah yeah i think uh we can definitely make those categories and, and maybe maybe just before that i think a good place to start would be to think about why why people do dumb stuff and focus less on the simple and actionable things and because i certainly see this in my everyday life like i have a couple of friends and my, my girlfriend as well just people who know that i'm into fitness and every once in a while they come to me with some questions or ideas or things that they read and i never get asked about calories for example or um working out or some something simple that is amongst the fundamental things that someone should be doing. It's always about some cool hack or trick that someone could do. Uh, what do I eat post-workout? Like that would be amongst the more fundamental questions. And even that's a not so fundamental question, but that would be if I hear that from someone, my eyes are lighting up because it's pretty rare that someone will ask me something like that. But it's always about... I don't know, this weird massage that is going to take the fat off. Uh, that that was a recent thing that I heard. Or this um, supplement, this L-carnitine titrate. Uh, I have one friend who keeps asking me about that. And he always forgets that he already asked me that. And he always asks me again. <laughs> <laughs> that, that happens a lot. And then, uh, okay, so what do I think about cinnamon? Is that a good fat-burning agent? And... It's yeah, it's it's, it's oh. very difficult for me because because um, I know I learned that people don't really give a shit about my knowledge or whatever if you want to call it expertise in the field, um, and they will not be interested if I'm giving them a lecture instead of answering their question, giving them a lecture about what they should be asking. Their eyes are just gonna glaze over, so it's difficult for me to handle these situations. But perhaps let's start with why why is it so attractive for people to focus on these minutia? Is this, is this something that you experience in your life as well? Oh man, oh man, oh man. I wish I could say I don't, but I, I do it. I um, I get it uh, every single day. And um, it's really frustrating. You know, it's sort of a combination between sadness and frustration and annoyance and all of these uh, emotions kind of together. So that was one of the reasons why I wanted to do this with you and perhaps uh, help shed some light on some of these practices. But yeah, so the reason why people do this, I think it's mostly a lack of education and not just education, because, you know, there are some people who they kind of know, like they know stuff. Uh, uh, and usually this happens when they get into that early intermediate phase, sort of in the six months, one year, maybe, maybe up to two years phase, when they kind of know that you can gotta eat protein, you know, 
they know like you gotta have a, a couple of meals you can't just eat one meal you gotta have more meals than one um they know that probably you should um you should have some veggies and some fruits and stuff um perhaps if they want to lose fat they know that you know maybe i shouldn't just cram down donuts and pizza all day but um they don't seem to be able to put the whole picture together so um I think they are they are lacking a fundamental understanding of the principles that um, are in place. So they kind of see a tree there, they see a tree there, they see another one there, but they don't see the whole picture. They don't see the whole forest. And I think that's what's missing and that's what's leading them into doing these sort of random things and um, putting these random rules in place, um, which, of course, can help them uh, get some results for sure. But um, it can also put them in this spot where if they are stuck perhaps then they they don't know what to do because they don't have the logical sequence in place um for example i i had a guy actually um asked me today roughly how much protein he should eat um and then he also said that he would like to track his calories so that's a good thing in our gym because both i and the other trainer guy we both emphasize the importance of calories um we have some major minus uh we have some minor mis uh disagreements here and there um but we both agree on the fundamentals, so that's good. So pretty much most people in our gym have a fundamental understanding that calories are important, even if they don't track it per se. But circuit pack, I think that's the biggest issue, a lack of understanding and lack of um, having these principles laid out in some sort of logical order and fashion. So it's uh, easy to follow them. So that's why people resort to all kinds of um, weird tricks, so to speak. Yeah, I think... I honestly have a lot of sympathy for people that are just starting out because just looking at my own example, where I came from and where I started it. And I think I would be, I would think that for someone like me, I would have an easier time kind of gravitating through or uh, navigating myself through all the bullshit. But looking back, I really didn't. I mean, I was falling for all kinds of nonsense in the beginning. And really the, the tough thing is, is that we have just so many conflicting voices and messages circulating around on the internet and finding what's reasonable and what's not is just incredibly difficult even if you manage to somehow vet out who are the people that are definitely charlatans like i think that at some point someone can just look at someone like a dave asprey for example and can say okay just just the way this people is carrying himself just the way he speaks and his tone and that weird sunglass he's wearing all the time like this guy looks kind of quirky like (laughs) Probably he is onto something pretty shady stuff here. But then there are a lot of people that are kind of sort of sound like an expert. They talk like an expert. They have a calm tone. Like if you tune into, what's the name of the vertical diet guy? Stan Efferding. Stan Efferding. Yeah. Like if you look, if you listen to one of his lectures, like the guy talks in this really smooth, calm tone. He sounds like he, he knows what he's talking about. And then... You know, if you're actually into fitness and you hear some of these phrases that he throws out, like low gas vegetables and stuff like that, it's like, what? Like, what, are, what, what does that even mean? Or, um, what's the name of this, uh, famous YouTuber now? Thomas Delaware or something like that. Mm, I don't follow him. Yeah, me neither. But every once in a while, you know, it pops up in the recommended videos on YouTube. I click on it and the guy talks with a really convincing tone. And of course, he's also good looking. Plus, you know, he has a good voice. He uses phrases that make him seem smart. So it's just very t- tough to not fall for it, I guess, for someone who's just getting into this. And, and then 
an even bigger issue, and I think you and I talked about this uh, one time on on the podcast, which is there are just so many self-proclaimed nutrition experts who have nothing to do with nutrition other than the fact that they are eating. <laughs> and I guess that's, you know, nutrition is one of those things. Not many people are trying to become intuitive engineers or mechanics or something like that but with nutrition you eat and if you achieve some sort of positive results with your diet then all of a sudden you feel like you you're qualified you're qualified to give an expert opinion on the topic like oh man sorry go ahead uh, i just wanted to say like jordan peterson for example like he is so incredibly he is one of the best critical thinkers in the world arguably and he's so picky with picking things apart for example like uh, emotional intelligence which is a phrase that all of us like to use in everyday life he's like super critical like what does that even mean emotional intelligence doesn't exist like what are you even referring to it's just an umbrella term that people throw out he's so critical when it comes to his own expertise and then he will say something like people get poisoned by carbohydrates like that's a phrase he's actually using which is Mm -hmm. something that a nutrition expert will hear that and it's you know an immediate red flag that's something that you would never say and um yeah, but but Jordan Peterson has multiple multi multiple million people following him. It's hard not to fall for that then, I guess. So Yeah. Although I did hear him say um at least once that um I'm not a nutrition expert though, so I yeah. um I can't really uh, he said something to the effect of that he's not allowed to uh give advice to anyone. So this is just what I am doing. He said something to this effect. Yeah. But anyway, yeah, so there's a really, really, really big confounder with nutrition that, um, like you said, we all eat. So uh, automatically, um, it reflects on our image. And um, for example, if you go to, like you said, the engineer or car mechanic, you don't really care how he looks. You're not interested in his abs. You want to know his expert. You're interested in his expertise and whether he can fix your car or not. Now with nutrition, there is a big confounder of uh, physical appearance. So like you said, there can be uh, factually idiots who look good and um, maybe they're not even that uh, uh, they are maybe they ha- they are well-intentioned and simply they don't know better so this is um, <laughs> you know it's funny because I'm getting to that point where I can be I think considered to have a you know I probably I go to an average gym and I have more experience than most people over there with my uh, roughly um, eight soon to be eight years of training um, of which a fair bit uh, has been following uh, decent uh, guidelines. So I guess um, I've seen my fair share of things. So um, <laughs> I can see this. It's blatantly obvious when I see someone who has been training for a year or so, maybe 1.5 years or two years, something like that, especially if they have good genetics. And um, like they are just talking out of experience. Simply, I can already tell. And maybe they did something that worked for them. And they don't have the, the knowledge and the experience to, to know that, well, that doesn't mean that it's going to work for everyone. So they just say they did what they did and they don't understand why can't everyone else do it. I remember I was in college and there was this guy who, like it was the typical neat uh, over-responder. Like he couldn't stop tapping his feet. He was just there bouncing in his seat. He was like, you know, that the guy that always looks like he is some sort of a cocktail of uh, different psychoactive drugs. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, we were discussing the busy and stuff. He's like, well, I'm not fat. Why can't they just stop eating? Why do they have to eat so much? Why are they so fat? And yeah. I was like, dude, it's it's more complicated than that. And he couldn't understand why. So uh, I see the same with people who... Um, <laughs> um, I've seen this in... I remember there was a chick who, whatever, they, she did squats and they were two beginner girls. First day in the gym, she wanted to play the trainer. 
she wanted to do them, make them do squats. And I was like, they are not ready for it. Why? I did barber squats in my first day. I could do it. Why couldn't they do it? I was like, oh my goodness, for fuck's sake. So yeah, yeah, that's the kind of stuff that's going on. So especially if you combine that with, like you said, some sort of natural um, charisma and appeal to others, and you have a very powerful combination there, um, especially if that person has some sort of goal or profit in mind, and then you're screwed, and then you have the gurus and the guys who are willing to say anything just to make you buy their products or whatever they're advertising. So it's really is a shady, shady business to navigate. Yeah, yeah. Just uh, on on that note, you know, Joe Rogan, he's he's one of those people that I've long had a beef with because he no pun intended. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but he he's he's definitely one of those guys. Just you know, he typical case study of just speaking with a lot of smart people. He's hearing a lot of things. He one day decided that okay, this keto and low carb thing that sounds very reasonable and logical. So he created this mini echo chamber in his podcast studio by only inviting people that are kind of confirming his bias. So he's inviting Gary Taubes and then Peter Atia and then Dominic D'Agostino and a whole bunch of Chris Cresser. Maybe he's less less of a low carb proponent, but just a lot of these guys that are confirming his biases. And if you listen to him speaking, it's the times when he was just a student of the game and he was eager to learn. Like those times are long gone. He is now actually talking like an actual expert. He is, you can hear it in his tone, in the way he's phrasing things. And, but one of the most shocking things that I've witnessed on his podcast was when he had Lane Norton and Dominic D'Agostino on. And when Lane Norton was talking about the sustainability of diets and Joe Rogan just lost his shit and started raving about how this whole sustainability talk is nonsense. People should just be disciplined. And if you need something that's sustainable, then you're just a weak piece of shit. And he just went on and on and on. And he was so confident and vocal about this. It was honestly shocking. It was one of the most beautiful, beautifully illustrated pieces of ignorance that I've ever seen recorded on camera. It was just shocking, honestly. So, yeah. Yeah, I think that was one of the rare occurrences where I was actually rooting and agreeing with Lane. So, yeah. (laughs) For sure. Yeah, although they did have um, a schedule for uh, Stefan Guiney and and, and, and I think Gary Taubes again. That will be so, epic, for sure. Yeah, that should be interesting. Yeah, it's... Uh, that would... Yeah, and, and just speaking of Lane, actually, I'm really... That's kind of just a random point, but I'm really actually been really impressed with how he refined his stances on a lot of things in recent times. Like, there were times when... The way he has been speaking about if it fits your macros and flexible dieting, it was just so one-sided, non-contextual, and just sort of radical. And I think he probably had a lot of experiences with some of his clients, but he seems to have recognized that it's just not the way to go for everybody. And some people are just better suited with something that maybe doesn't even involve macro tracking, but some more structure in terms of food choices, or maybe even time-restricted eating, things like he was um, he was very much against these things earlier on, and now he seems to be more open to these concepts. So I've been impressed with his kind of evolution in thinking. So that's just a random note. Interesting. I think I must have criticized him in the past because I I am blocked by him in pretty much every social media that there is. I am blocked on Facebook. I'm blocked on Instagram. So yeah. yeah, I used to enjoy trolling a little bit on his YouTube channel. 
like he would uh, upload a video on how clean eating is stupid or something. And I would comment something like, I love Lane's approach. Like, even though he admits that people who eat clean are morally superior, he will acknowledge that you can still eat, get good results by not eating clean <laughs> or something like that. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I would just see my comment being deleted. But yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Anyway. So, um, so yeah, I think I, um, so we have, we both, you and I have what, uh, around 15 years of experience, something like that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I have 27 years of experience and at least some of them were, um, related to fitness. So yeah. <laughs> uh, that's funny. Yeah. So we have around 15 years. How long have we been lifting? Seven years or so? Yeah. About that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, around 15 years combined. So we made our fair share of mistakes we have definitely haven't done things right from the get go so we are we are coming from a place of complete understanding and we are just trying to be as helpful as possible and trying to uh, if possible make you uh, avoid making the same mistakes that we have already done so although you know i was thinking back that i was i'm pretty fortunate that i came across uh, matt august and eric back in 2012 or so and I have been tracking ever since, so that's the point I think we are going to, to address a bit later. But um, I have my fair share of mistakes, but not not so many that uh, I didn't waste quite years and years. I wasted probably your first year or so, but that's not really terrible, considering that there are people who are been doing this for decades and still do um, stupid stuff. Um, yeah. So with that, I think we should uh, transition into... The first category of things, which are the fundamentals, um, the things that I would label as absolutely necessary to get results. Um, and I would include here energy balance for sure. So, um, how many, uh, how much calories, how much, how many calories do you eat? How much food do you eat? Um, whether you're trying to gain weight or lose weight. Um, probably the second um, most important uh, factor here is getting insufficient protein. So for simplicity's sake, that's around 1.8-ish two grams per kilo. Um, and then the third major uh, consideration would be getting insufficient micronutrients. So if you're deficient in vitamins and minerals, uh, then your results are going to suffer and your health is going to suffer. So I would label these three as the absolute foundation that everyone needs regardless if they are female or male or young or older or jacked or not jacked or tall or short it doesn't matter there are really no exceptions to this no one thrives if they are um if they are malnourished so yeah yeah and i think i think um perhaps an important point to mention here is that you don't when you are starting out on your journey i think a lot of people don't necessarily have to actively track these things or count these things like a lot of a lot of these things kind of will just get taken care of automatically if you sort of just instruct people to select the right foods, which I think is a decent starting point for many people that are just starting out. Like if a friend comes to me and asks for some advice and I don't I don't necessarily feel qualified to introduce something like macro tracking in someone's life because that will just it just has a potential has the potential to really impact how he will operate psychologically or something. If someone is a client of mine, then sure thing. But if it's just a friend or family member, I would almost just advise someone to follow something like a paleo type template and say like, yeah, sure, you can have some dairy and you can have some grain products. It's no issue. That part of the diet is a bit over exaggerated. But, you know, just focus on getting in some lean protein sources, get some healthy fats like avocados and things like that, lots of fruits and veggies. A lot of these things are actually going to get taken care of pretty much automatically. Um, Would you agree? Yeah, for sure. And um, I didn't want to mention um, macro tracking because I think that's in a different category. But 
Absolutely. Um, so these are the first category is kind of the principles, um, the main rocks that people need to um, take off. And then we can, uh, the later kind of categories are that mostly the methods and different strategies and stuff that people do that may or may not be necessary or, or at least helpful. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, we can get into it um, actually. Um, so things that are not necessary, but probably helpful. Yeah. Yeah. So I labeled them as things that um, you can do without, but they are probably not going to hurt you and they are probably going to be beneficial. Um, these include things like having carbs and essential aminos intra-workout. I think by this point, uh, with I think I can think of one notable exception, one guy who is still is very much on his high horse when it comes to BCAAs. But other than that, pretty much every protein researcher and expert agrees that they are probably their importance has been exaggerated. So essential aminos stuff that provides all of the nine essential amino acids that can be used for with some carbs to increase workout performance. Then we have um, having a protein shake after workout again, not going to harm you, likely going to help. Again, there has been a pendulum swing with this. There um, was a time when people would just uh, rush into the uh, locker room and down their protein shake. Then actually, you know, <laughs> I remember at one point people were actually like making fun of, oh, you're drinking a protein shake. Yeah. Haven't you read Aragon et al. Schoenfeld et al. Research Review 2000 and whatever it was? It says that you don't have to drink a protein shake. Meanwhile, yeah. all of them still recommend in practice to drink a protein shake because it's not going to hurt you and it can help a bit. Um, another similar thing is having a casein or another slow absorbing protein source before bed. Again, there's been an entire line of research done in Netherlands in Luke Van Loon's lab. Uh, Jordan Trumbullen has done a couple of studies on this. Um, mostly, it has been either neutral or a positive result. So no negative, really. They have showed that it's uh, get uh, the protein that you eat before bed gets incorporated into muscle. So again, if you're interested in maximizing your results, it's something to consider. Um, another strategy that it's, again, not necessary, but can be helpful is weighing yourself every day. Um, this can build a new habit that can be helpful. It can keep you accountable. It can keep you um, uh, centered or focused. Because you know there are people who, <laughs> you know the people when they say that, holy Christ, uh, these five or ten kilos just just piled on. Yeah, five or ten kilos don't just pile on overnight. It, that means that you haven't uh, been keeping a tab on your weight for months. So weighing yourself can be a good tool for that. Um, we can discuss, discuss the drawbacks uh, later. Um, and I put alcohol, or rather the avoidance of alcohol in this category, although it's. Um, it can be considered something that's not necessary, but I put it in the uh, probably half for category, meaning to avoid it. So I would have to disagree there. Just kidding. Uh, I I, th I think having some alcohol every day is is very crucial for um, for body composition. Just kidding. <laughs> Although I did hear in a recent Jorgen interview with Dave Sinclair that resveratrol is a very promising anti-aging nutrient. So yeah, use that information as you wish. Yeah, I I think. Um I think the thing with with these that we the thing that okay <laughs> let's try it again. I think what people should realize with these things that we put in this category is that for example if you're going to have intra workout carbs or um essentially amino acids then I'm, you better have your ducks in a row otherwise like you the important thing is to view these things in the proper context like you just don't don't try to rely on these things as kind of a crutch in 
substitution for a fundamentally crappy diet or you know shitty training sessions like it's definitely not going to save you if you're that guy in the gym who bangs out uh set on the decline bench and then goes over and do a whole bunch of partial range of motion curls then no amount of intra-workout carbs are going to save you but yeah otherwise um, they can be helpful for sure yeah, so these are in kind of a logical sequence and it sort of assumes that you have already taken care of the first category, meaning you have a, your calories in order, you eat a sufficient protein and you've ensured sufficient macronutrition. So, yeah. yeah, absolutely. Cool. What's next? So the third category would be things that are possibly helpful, but likely not necessary. So the things, and I think actually these are the strategies that most people do because, you know, most people, eh, yeah, they, they kind of drink a protein shake, but, you know, uh, the, those strategies or those things don't really interfere with their lifestyle uh, or their lives in general. However, in this third category, the stuff that I uh, we included here um, do, they actually do. So uh, what are those things that uh, we thought would fit into this category? Well, there are things like eating clean foods only and avoiding processed foods, um, stuff like eating the same foods and meals over and over again and potentially bragging that, oh my God, I'm going to throw up by eating my rice and chicken for the sixth time today, but hashtag sacrifice to win, bro. Um, a very similar thing, eating bland foods, even when trying to gain muscle. Um, and then you're complaining that, oh my goodness, my stomach is, oh my God, I'm so bloated. This is my um, 15 kilogram of food because, you know, man, Gotta down those those calories, and um, this is my sixth um, bowl of plain oats with no uh, nothing on it. It's just oats and water, bro. Hashtag hardcore. Uh, in this category, we can uh, mention things like avoiding diet drinks completely, avoiding anything that's sweet, or uh, avoiding anything that's actually this. <laughs> this is a term I heard a while back. Avoiding anything that tastes good. So oh, you know, yeah. the whole whole uh, hardcore bodybuilding mantra: if it tastes good, gotta spit it out. Yeah, Scooby. <laughs> yeah or um being neurotic with your mirror timing and having an alarm clock and eating every two to three hours i actually heard that um from movie stars speaking of people who have no uh, <laughs> qualifications or no knowledge in nutrition i remember um, seeing an interview with uh, i think the guy who played tarzan and he was just mentioning how no no can do man every two hours even if i was in the bathroom my alarm went off i had to eat my meal yeah um and the last one, and probably the stuff that we can discuss a bit in detail, is tracking your macros. I, uh, I think we can both agree that it's likely not necessary, even though it could be helpful for some people. Yeah, yeah, I think um, some of these are some actually macro tracking could perhaps fall into the second category, not necessary, but probably helpful. And also yeah. contextually, it can also fall into this third category. But it's funny because it reminded me that I think. I think a lot of the things that people do in fitness are there because there is this inherent enjoyment that comes from suffering for a lot of these people. Mm-hmm. I actually actually had this discussion with a, a very good friend of mine that, for example, cold showers, I think one reason why they become so popular in sort of the personal development sphere is because because people kind of feel like they're punishing themselves and they are super tough if they are they can withstand that cold shower and it just kind of feels good to put yourself some sort of suffering and maybe it, then it makes uh, some other enjoyment uh, in your life more justified perhaps that could be a reason but yeah, the same thing with bland foods and even when you're bulking and you're eating in a couple of hundred calories of surplus, you're still eating foods that are super satiating because 
The thing is, if you were to eat like three extra handfuls of almonds a day or something like that, there is your your caloric surplus right there. It's actually not not hard. Even if you have a pretty small appetite, it's not hard to eat in a calorie surplus. But people want to want to feel like it's super hard. Okay, I'm suffering when I'm dieting, and I'm also suffering when I'm bulking because I need to force feed myself. And the same thing with with cutting. Like when I hear these traditional bodybuilding diets, I'm like, man, if I had to eat like that, I would be screaming hungry. Like when I'm cutting, like sh- sure, it's not. I can keep talking. When I'm cutting, it's not pleasant per se. Like there are elements of it that suck, but I'm not particularly hungry throughout the process because I just eat really big mouthfuls of salads and fruits and things like that. And some of of these people that I'm hearing their diets and it's like rice cakes, peanut butter. It's like, why in the world would you eat something like that when you're dieting? Like it's not filling. You're not going to get satiated from it. But I think it's just that hardcore mentality, probably also coupled with some some ignorance. But yeah, and also these celebrity diets. I really think that a lot of this just comes from the trainers that they hire. And probably these Hollywood trainers are asking for some ridiculous sums of money from these people. And so I think just to get just to justify that they have to have to give them some ridiculous protocol. Because otherwise it would be like, really, I'm giving you five thousand dollars a month to whatever, to track these macros and to hit the gym a few times a week and whatever. Yeah, I actually disagree a bit uh, in that it's not hard to get in a surplus because obviously this depends, but um, I actually deal with, or at least have awareness of both extremes. I deal with very small females who would like to um, who would like to get more muscular or um, increase in weight or whatever. Uh, and usually with them, it's a mental issue. They just can't get past the fact that they have to eat more or rather they have to eat more of some more nutrient or calorie-dense foods. So <laughs> um, yeah. I have a female right now who just, she's very afraid of sugar. She somehow has um, got it into the, her, her head that if she eats sugar, then she's going to get um, cellulite. So she's deadly afraid of cellulite. So... Um, it's really hard. She, she's she's working a lot. She doesn't have a whole lot of time. She can only get in like three meals a day. So I was trying to get her to eat some of these more processed foods, more uh, calorie-dense foods, and it's really tough. Um, so yeah, it's a psychological burden that you have to get over. Because yeah. in, in this instance, it's actually harming your resorts. It's not that it's not possibly helpful. It's, it's actively harmful towards your resorts. So if you are self this self prescribe or self-described goal is gain weight, gain muscle, and then you are actively uh, uh, harming yourself, well, you're acti- actually actively stopping yourself from, from getting insufficient calories by being so stubborn <laughs> about your food choices, then it's, you're actually, uh, your actions are contradicting what you just uh, said that your goals are. And on the other extreme, there are big bodybuilders, perhaps they are enhanced, and in that case, food volume is the issue, not necessarily mentally, because they are ready to eat. However, if you don't uh, switch up your food sources, then you are just um, sabotaging yourself. And big shout out to my buddy, Callum, Callum Racic from the UK, because he has been a very, very big proponent of this, uh, um, that you kind of have to switch around your food sources and you have to facilitate digestion. And um, uh, Jordan Peters, another great UK bodybuilder, he has been big on not doing anything that will mess up your appetite. So... Jordan Peterson is into bodybuilding. Just kidding. Uh, yeah, Jordan Peterson minus an on. Yeah, uh, towards the end. So yeah, so these are scenarios where where um 
Yeah, I mean, I mean, don't get me wrong. I, I phrase it wrong. I don't think that bulking as a process is easy. I think I just did a video on my channel, YouTube channel yesterday, which was titled Why Bulking is Harder Than Cutting. And I, I really think that bulking from a mental and behavioral perspective is, is actually much trickier than cutting because, you know, you want to eat in a surplus, but at the same time, you don't want to eat in too big of a surplus. So you want to eat more calorie dense foods, but you don't want to eat so calorie dense and so yummy foods that it actually want, makes you want to overeat by a really huge extent. And if you have a, a big appetite, for example, that can be an issue and you want to overeat a bit each and every day, but you don't want to ruin your good nutritional habits. So there are a lot of challenging things that go into making a bulking phase work. But, you know, technically speaking, in a world where we have an obesity epidemic and most people have a difficulty not eating too much, it's just hard to make an argument that technically speaking, eating in a calorie surplus is difficult. Like that's <laughs> that's all I'm saying. But yeah, I agree that practically speaking, from a behavioral standpoint, it can be very difficult for many people. So yeah, I agree. Um, it seems to me that people have um, there have a, a mental confusion, internal struggle between their short term and their long term results. Just to give an example, today uh, I was talking with a guy in the gym. He dieted down um, to around eighty kilos. He is relatively well new to training. He has been training for like a year and a half ish, so he has plenty of potential to put on muscle. And um, his goal, like he was trying to get bigger. But his main question was basically, what do I do to gain muscle without gaining any fat? And I gave him the honest and harsh reality that, well, you are going to have to gain some fat, which you will have to diet later on, diet off later on. And um, he was not really happy with this because he also had the goal of having abs during the summer. And I had to tell him that, well, you will have to kind of make a deal or make a compromise between your short term and your long term goals. So do you want to be as jacked as possible, or at least as close to it as possible. Long term, do you want to be lean for this summer? Because those those two things don't really, or well, the path towards these two things are not really the same, and you will have to pick either one of the two. So, yeah, I see this very often with women who are, uh, they say they want to gain weight and muscle, but then they are not willing to eat enough. I see this with guys who try to lose fat, but they are not willing to change their diets, um, Yeah, and so on and so forth. Yeah. I agree. I you echo my sentiments, brother. <laughs> okay, so let's talk about tracking macros because uh, I think that's uh, uh, you had plenty of experience with it. I have plenty of experience with it, um, and I think you laid out your view on it much in much more detail than I did. So I think I will give a quick summary of my views currently on tracking and why I do tr my tracking. Because mm -hmm. I actually received a very good message on, on Instagram about this. Someone was asking that. Um, why do I still keep tracking? Because obviously, um, right now, I my, my streak is around, I don't even know, it's around 1,800 days consecutively. So, uh, but I also lost a 300 days, 300 some, basically a year I lost. So pretty much since 2012, uh, around May or so, I bought my first full scale. So I have been tracking daily since. And honestly, the biggest motivation at this point is just to see that streak. <laughs> I don't want to lose it because it's, it's <laughs> yeah. really impressive to build it up. So that's my semi-serious main goal but practically speaking um i actually i don't really because you know how most people use tracking macros they have their macros and then they eat according to it i just eat whatever and then i just track it <laughs> so if i ate four thousand calories i log it if i eat two thousand i log it so in that sense it's not really changing my behavior because i also heard this from that guy who asked me that question that he said that i was getting neurotic i was uh, just it was it was affecting my day 
And um, this is, again, a very big lesson for people to learn that these tools are not static. They're not uh, inert. And they can and will influence your behavior and can have different impacts on different people. So at this point, uh, pretty much my emotional impact or its emotional impact on me is as close to zero as possible or as close to zero as it can get. Um, I don't really get upset because I missed my macros or because I went over them. I just track whatever I ate. It takes me like a couple of minutes because I eat mostly the same um, stuff. And by the way, this is something that we will have to touch on a bit later about eating the same meals over and over again. Um, Just so I don't forget. But yeah, so I log my meals, I log my foods, um, and that's pretty much it. And uh, it doesn't interfere with my day. I I don't get mad at my friends if they want to, because uh, I heard Eric mention this. Eric Hams mentioned this that <laughs> he would, after a couple of days, when he would had to estimate, he would get mad when a friend uh, invited him out for lunch or whatever. Um, I don't have any friends, so that's that's not a worry for me. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I have a dog, so there you go. <laughs> but yeah, um, yeah, so that's my 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 current um, view, kind of on tracking. Is it necessary? Absolutely not. Uh, can it be harmful for some people's mental well-being? Absolutely. Um, is it a detriment for me at this point? Probably not. Is it necessary? No. But I like that streak, so I'll keep it going. I think. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I would largely agree with everything that you just said. I think that macro tracking in certain context can be a really amazing learning tool for people. I think it can teach someone calorie awareness. Like I remember with the first time when I was tracking, I was actually, I never really had any kind of issues being overweight throughout my life. I was always a kind of a leaner kid, but I kind of went through a rough streak at one point in my first year in college. And I gained a lot more weight than I ever had before in my life. And I kind of became those stereotypical people who complain in, you know, in YouTube videos about how they can't lose weight regardless of what they're doing and they're barely eating anything. Mm-hmm. And then my father actually convinced me to just try, just count the, the amount of calories you eat in one day. Just let's see what happens. And then very quickly, I realized that, okay, I'm barely eating anything, but but A, that was not true. And those things that I was eating, it's very, very difficult to not overeat on them. I quickly learned that things like Nutella and peanut butter and, ch- and cheeses are pretty hard to fit in a lot, a lot of those into a diet. Mm. So in these kind of contexts, it can be very, very useful. I think someone can just start out on a fitness journey and someone can achieve great results without tracking at all. I mean, I have done that. And I think most people can do the same. If someone is more serious about their fitness goals, it's good to, I think it can be a very useful protocol to go through at least for one or two weeks just to track things. Because if you're going on a, just a very healthy diet with plenty of whole foods and you're losing weight and you kind of want to pick things up a little bit and you want to get into even better shape, then it can be very useful to understand that, okay, the key to, for you to get getting there is not to eat even healthier necessarily or to cut out even more food groups or to be even more rigid. It's actually that you have to reduce the energy density of your diet a little bit. And then actually going through the process of seeing what you're actually eating and what happens if I substitute out these couple of food, food sources, what happens to my overall numbers, that can be a very eye-opening experience for many people. And I think in the long term, I think there are some people like yourself for whom it's just not psychologically taxing and it won't interfere with their mental well-being. I see a lot of people like that. And I think those are the people often who will, unlike you, very be, will be very dogmatic and 
and just say that macro tracking is something that you should keep up for life and that's just the best way of doing things i think not to throw jabs at lane norton again but i think for a while he was one of those people that it just worked out really well for him it suited his own personal psychology and so that was his default mode of instructing people that this is this should be your end destination in your fitness journey Uh, i think for many other people like myself it's just gotten to the point where it became a source of stress on its own and these trivial things that i talked about many times you know how you modify things when something unexpected happens what do you do when you're still hungry do you allow yourself to go over your macros if you do go over your macros how do you modify things the next day or do you modify things for your subsequent meals these kinds of things or the types of issues that can be a non-issue for many people like for yourself it might not be an issue at all and that's mm-hmm. awesome but for many people it's just it's not these decisions are not significant by themselves but in aggregates the cumulative effect of them just wears people down mentally if they are prone to that and so i think if if that is the case then it, it can be very useful to learn to transition away from that and even if you I think there are a couple of things in fitness that are just useful for everyone to just try out at least every once in a while just to see how it feels because then you can advise people on that later on. For example, I think trying out a ketogenic diet every once in a while or just at least once in your life can be very useful because then you can have a more accurate um, way of reflecting on it and instruct people on it. And I think the same applies for eating without tracking macros. Even if you're a hardcore macro tracker, I think it can be useful to just go through a phase at one point to try out how is it to eat, quote unquote, intuitively and just modify food choices and learn to use your hunger signals. Because if you don't know how to do it, I think it kind of, you're missing out on a powerful weapon and also some useful experience that you could, you could share with your clients, not you specifically, but just people in general. So yeah, that would be my long ramble on macro tracking. Yeah, absolutely. And um, I think I have become much more laid back over the years because I actually went through my <laughs> period of neuroticism and um, circling back to the people who I mentioned in the beginning who are in that early intermediate phase. <laughs> It's so you know it's so easy to tell again when someone or how long someone has been tracking because I see these people at the gym and they are bragging about oh my goodness I can eat this I can eat that I can fit this I can fit that I can already tell you just came across tracking macros right yeah in a couple of last couple of months okay sweet (laughs) anyway Mm -hmm. it's really easy to tell so yeah so yeah I became much more laid back maybe this is a bad thing in that time perhaps not turning over every single stone and stuff like that but really i i don't think it's worth it so so yeah i would much rather maintain my mental sanity and not worry about stuff like you said like oh my goodness i have five grams of carbs and two grams of fat let what the hell do i eat (laughs) um and stuff like that um so yeah i think being educated is is a really big um it's really big uh, part in it. Um, having experience with it is also matters. For example, you will never hear me talking personally about keto because I've never done it. I don't really see a reason to ever try it. Um, there is no hypothetical and practically it just doesn't really fit my preferences and my my needs at the moment. So yeah. that's also something that I think where it's worth mentioning that you don't have to try anything or everything and so you certainly don't have to try something that you kind of know ahead of time that you are going to fail with like if you know that if you hit your nail with that hammer it's going to hurt 
do you really have to try it out? I mean, maybe you want to if you like that kind of stuff, but I think I would take my <laughs> gut feeling on that and avoid the pain later on. One big point I definitely want to address before I forget it. Um, speaking of eating the same foods, because I said that it's uh, likely not necessary and people tend to brag and obsess over this, which is having the uh, bodybuilding meals and not eating anything outside of those compared to what I do, which is deciding to have a couple of meals and eating those because I like them and it's practical in that I don't have to worry about the liquid spilling in my bag, which has happened many times, or the sauce or whatever. I don't have to worry about breaking it and <laughs> messing up my stuff. So that's why I like to eat, for example, um, cottage cheese and some sort of fruit. I like it. It's filling. It's nutritious. It's high in protein, it's high in fiber, and high in vitamins. So it's perfect for me. However, I don't think that is something magical about cottage cheese. I don't think there's something magical about fruit. I could just <laughs> simply eat potatoes and chicken breast and whatever. It would be sort of the same stuff. Um, so there is a very... And these, I think, can be extrapolated to pretty much every strategy. There is a very big difference between doing something because you want to and it's a personal preference versus doing something because you think you have to and you think that you will not succeed if you don't do this. And I think that's the really big issue and that's where people are stuck. They don't eat every two hours because they want to or it's a preference. They think that if they don't do that, then they are going to miss out on something magical. Um, or yeah. if they don't... Uh, eat these magical uh, slimming foods or whatever. Uh, if you don't eat your tilapia, then you're not going to get lean and stuff like that. So again, comes back to probably education, having some experience, uh, maybe some experimentation, like actually um, trying out for yourself, replace those whatever meals you have and see that, holy crap, you replaced your rice with mil uh, milk. <laughs> you replaced yeah. your rice with uh, some sweet potatoes and nothing happened and you got the same results. So it actually works. It's not just hearsay. It's not magic. It's not um, brown rice isn't uh, inherently superior to white rice and minute detail. It's like that. You know, <laughs> you know the there are infographics that are really pointless, and I think those comparisons between like stuff like here's six reasons why you should choose brown rice over white rice. Like those are the most pointless ones. Yeah, yeah. It's. I think I completely agree that eating the same foods every day is definitely not necessary. I think it, it just can be useful to have sort of a, a meal template or sort of a diet template where um, not even necessarily eating the same foods, but just like having certain food types in general that you're rotating through. So, okay, you're going to have these certain meats as protein sources. You have these fish types and you're going to have veggies. And you can, of course, rotate through various iterations of them. I think it's... Um, it can be just useful to not get into too many dietary experiments once you've kind of found something that works for yourself in terms of your liking those foods and they help you to stay within your numbers or just help you to progress towards the body comp goals that you have. Because when you find a nice sweet spot like that for yourself, that's just a very precious commodity that you don't want to blow. And if you're experimenting a lot with all kinds of diets and foods, then it can just throw you off your routine. And it just it can just induce a lot of needless, again, uh, decision fatigue when it comes to diet, which is just not a, it's kind of just a shitty way to waste your cognitive resources. So that's the only thing I would add. Yeah. So for example, uh, what I do currently is uh, when I work in the morning shift, for example, I eat around 10 
not because 10 is a magical number, but usually that's the time I finish with my first batch of clients and I clean the gym and all the stuff I have to do. So that's practically when I have to, uh, I actually have the time to eat. So I eat around 10 and that's usually a meal high in protein and some sort of carbohydrate, usually fruit. Um, then I train around 12, 1, usually from 1 to around 3. Um, I leave the gym at 3, 3 something if I don't have a client. Come home, have my biggest meal of the day, which is going to be plenty of carbs, plenty of fats, protein again. Um, I also have a shake, protein shake during the workout or after it, depending on how hungry I am. And then I have another meal in the evening, which is usually lower in carbs, high in protein again, and moderate in fats. So like you said, an easy template. I have my staple food sources, but they can definitely change. It's not uh, dogmatic. It's not written in stone. I can shift the priorities around or shift the macronutrients around if I need to. It's just very easy and practical setup that fits with my lifestyle and my workouts and stuff. So yeah, same here. Fine. Same here. The only thing that I'm experimenting with a little bit lately is just my last meal before bed because um, I sort of found that some nights for seemingly no reason, I just feel so or, or sleep so good and I just feel like I'm I'm knocked out, like literally just dreaming and sleeping like a machine and in the morning I wake up completely refreshed and some other nights I'm just... Uh, for one thing I found that having a really massive carb meal close to bedtime just doesn't work out well. It sounds like a lot of fun, but then I wake up in the middle of the night like covered in sweat. Yes. So, <laughs> which is not a lot of fun. So, Yeah. I actually have the same experience. Funny you mentioned that. Because, um, you know, there are some people who say that they like to sleep on their full tummy. Well, every single time I do that, I, I struggle to fall asleep. Um, I just roll around in bed. I wake up during the night feeling hot and sweaty and it's just not a good experience so so i try to keep big meals away from bedtime if possible um with some rare exceptions and mostly limit to greek yogurt cottage cheese again and possibly some sort of fruit but uh, definitely nothing super high in fat and nothing super high in carbs and nothing that takes hours to try to digest yeah last night i i tried some rice cakes and some protein powder that seemed to work okay but Kind of woke up almost like hypoglycemic though, so <laughs> might not be, uh, I don't know, I'm still going to experiment with this. Anyway. Yeah, so I think I actually found a verse in the Bible. It says that John eight thirty two. then you will know the truth and the truth shall set you free. Oh, damn. That's big stuff. Yeah. I think that's what we should call this episode. The, tu- the truth shall set you free. Yeah. Amen. Amen. <laughs> okay, so I think we 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 covered this. Maybe it should just address quickly the whole diet drink stuff, because again, I think that's a, a perfect example of what you said. People just like to suffer, and there is this stupid, idiotic association that oh my goodness, if I'm not suffering, if I'm actually enjoying this and having fun, I must be doing something wrong. Like <laughs> again, um, you know, it's 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 probably a good thing because many of these thoughts are actually. Not just sparked necessarily, but they are reinforced and re, um, uh, they are kind of refreshed by interactions I have with people in the gym. So I was talking with this girl and she was complaining that she can't get in sufficient protein during the day. And I'm really enjoying these protein cookies from my protein at this moment. Shameless plug, send mm. me some money. <laughs> and uh, I recommended them to her. I was like, okay, why don't you try these? They taste really, really good. They are nice and they have almost 40 grams of protein per cookie so that should be 
uh, relatively convenient to fit into your schedule. You can eat this in five minutes and there you have 40 grams of protein. And she was like, nah, I can't do that. I can't eat that. And I was like, why do you, why is that? Well, I'm trying to avoid anything that tastes sweet. <laughs> and I was like, why is that? Well, I'm trying to eat as healthy as possible. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And well, you know, that means that I have to avoid sweets. Okay, and that's just the point where I'm just blanking and thinking in my head that should I continue with this? Because inevitably it's going to be a long conversation. Do I really want this? Do I really have time for this? And usually I'm like, okay, well, nice chatting with you. <laughs> and um, I'll just move on to whatever my next next uh, task is. Yeah. yeah, this is yes. the kind of image people have in their heads. Like, <laughs> for Christ's sake, I mean, again, your self-described issue, you can get enough protein. I give you an easy solution. Here's a protein cookie, 40 grams of protein, 300 calories, low in fats, moderate in carbs, tastes great. So you don't, you can't complain that, oh my God, I can't eat it because it tastes like crap. It actually tastes good. What's your problem? <laughs> and well, I can't eat it because it actually tastes good. So, well then grab some raw protein powder and shove it in your mouth <laughs> for Christ's sake. <laughs> yeah, it's, um, and the, the tough thing about that is that she didn't say, do you think I can eat this because it tastes sweet? And I heard that it's, not good for me. Not she actually much. said, she, yeah. she stated that as a scientific fact or something, mm-hmm. like there is no argument over it. And then probably even if you gave a lecture to her, even then probably she wouldn't have been, she's just not in the right state of mind at that point to listen to it. Like I also have this thing with my girlfriend, for example, every once in a while, she embarks on some kind of a fad diet, like a chrono diet or something. And it's like, okay, so I didn't even have a coffee today. I'm so sleepy. Um, and but I can't have a coffee because this diet says that I can't have coffee between meals because you need to optimize your stomach's activity between meals or something. I was like, what? At one point, I actually snapped and I was like, this doesn't make any sense. Like some caffeine and some coffee can actually help with your diet. It suppresses your appetite. It's awesome. Come on, drink that shit. It was like, no, 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 whatever. Like she was just not in the right state of mind. She didn't seek my advice. Sure. So. I was just not in the position to be able to help her there. So Mm, it's one of those frustrating things. And you know, you would think that if you are close to someone, like if they are your girlfriend, mother, father, stuff like that, it would be easier. And it's opposite. It's way harder because you're not, even if, let's say you are the foremost nutrition expert, you're not a nutrition expert, you're their son, you're their, uh, their daughter, their boyfriend, girlfriend, whatever it is. (laughs) So they're not going to listen to you. They're going to listen to that magazine cover chick whoever she is so yeah you have no authority with these people (laughs) absolutely yeah and i i never actually had um like she never asked me for specific advice like every once in a while she's just like do you think i should take this massage that takes your fat off or whatever i'm like but even then like i'm like you know i think if that really worked then all the bodybuilders would do that because you know like it's much more convenient than starving yourself to death until you step on the bodybuilding stage so i think they would like that massage if that worked it's like well but Actually, it was really funny. And then she said, yeah, but that only works in the short term. I mean, how long are they starving themselves? I'm like, uh, six months. <laughs> and the look on her face was amazing. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Okay. So let's move on to the last category, the really dumb stuff, the really stupid stuff. Yeah. The stuff that it's probably harmful, very, very unlikely to be helpful, and it's probably best avoided. So in this category, we can mention things like bulletproof coffee. So grabbing uh, this particular fancy brand of coffee or whatever the procedure is, and then dumping some sort of grass-fed, organic, bio-natural, all-natural, clean butter into it, 
and replacing your breakfast with it to become a fat-burning machine, or using fruit juices to detox your body, or the... Oh my goodness. <laughs> the the snake diet. I mean, who the hell comes up with that kind of crap? Unbelievable. Yeah. yeah. And um, these are really rare, but these are the most stupid, like injecting various substances into your body because apparently that's a thing. Like I read it a while ago that a girl actually died because she injected snake venom into herself. Uh, so so she didn't, she decided to not get vaccinated because vaccines don't work. And instead she just injected venom so she becomes protected from snake venom. Like, you know, the <laughs> natural version of a vaccine. And she just died, oh duh, my God. obviously. Yeah, and another girl, um, <laughs> another girl who died, she... She was, I don't know what her goal is was, but she basically uh, used this bee sting procedure. So basically, I think it works like you go into a room and there are like a thousand bees there and just you let them out and they just sting you all over. And she died. Yeah, so stuff like that. Don't do that, please. Please don't do that. <laughs> it's not going to help you. Stop doing that. Yeah. One of the craziest things I've ever heard of was the Sleeping Beauty diet which is about uh, taking sleeping pills because then you're sleeping and you're not eating uh, until then. <laughs> uh, Amazing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's crazy. And, and then, of course, like if you're well rested, you might be actually less hungry, but like probably the best best way to accomplish that is not like taking a shit ton of sleeping pills and like sleeping. Well, hey, I, I actually know a good one. What about the UFC diet? How about you go into a cage with like I don't know, with Francis Ngannou, for example, and he beats you senseless, he breaks every bone in your body, and then you will be in hospital for like six months, and you will for sure uh, lose weight because you won't be able to eat. So problem solved. Yeah. I think that should work. Yeah, but I actually have a confession to make here. So um, I think it was in 2012, in a dark period of my life, I actually was a big Bulletproof coffee consumer. Uh, so I put butter in my coffee, but what's actually worse is that I actually ordered those coffee beans for like, you know, but I was in Europe. So $20 for the coffee bag and then like, I don't know, another 40 for the shipping. Oh, my goodness. And then I also ordered Dave Asprey's MCT oil. <laughs> um, and the funny thing is actually, so I'm ashamed. I will never be free of that shame in my life. But I have to admit that actually buttering your coffee tastes pretty good. Um, so that, that that's one thing I will say. Uh, also, the MCT oil thing, like it's kind of a flavor enhancer in some ways. So, it, I mean, I guess it's not too shocking that you're drinking something fatty and it tastes good. It's just not as gross as a lot of people would think. But that's it doesn't mean that you, anybody should do that. It's a really stupid way of consuming a lot of non-satiating calories. But and also getting minimal nutritional value for it. So, uh, yeah, I never did stuff like that. So, um, cause we didn't really have money, so I couldn't really afford this. I remember once I bought like, um, top of BCAs and I remember I was collecting months, uh, money for like months and I got this eight to one to one, you know, cause the usual, um, the usual stuff is like two to one to one, lucine and isoleucine and valine. Um, this was eight the one so eight times the lucine content that was oh, yeah. i was so happy and actually it is a pretty pretty good but um but yeah um <laughs> i still cringe at the amount of i paid for that money and how much that money meant to me at that particular time point yeah I and mean, at one point my room literally looked like a pharmacy like i had like 
like it, it was like a meme. I pretty much had every vitamin from A to Z, like <laughs> basically everything that I could find in the vitamin store. Because I started college at the time, and I was super insecure that my brain is not functioning well enough, and then I'm not going to be smart enough for college, and then maybe I have difficulties with some subjects because my brain is foggy. And I started reading about brain fog and things like that, which probably I legitimately did have something at one point because. I don't know. I just remember feeling so confused all the time, but that's beside the point. But yeah, I just got my hands on every supplement that I just could. And it was, yeah, it's, it was ridiculous. And probably I actually did some harm to to myself by just downing so many pills each and every day. But yeah, yeah that's what I love about um, vegan zealots. They're like, oh my goodness, vegan diets are the best thing ever. By the way, here's a list of 10 supplements you must take. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like yeah. what this diet is so healthy that you have to supplement with like a health counter of, of stuff for, for you to not be sick but it's great it's like the best thing ever yeah yeah oh my goodness anyway um one final point i want to touch on and this goes much beyond um, nutrition but is still applies to it as well um Beginning back on what your girlfriend said that well you can't eat coffee or can't drink coffee when you after you ate because this and that I don't know why people believe that we are so fucking fragile I don't know why they believe that we are so fucking sensitive little um, delicate flowers that we must carefully carefully protect this uh, sensitive vessel that we are in when for fuck's sake we survive like we survived everything we are here and we are literally in the most um, we are in the softest and most safe and well, safest year ever. Like 2018 has been the best year in history ever for the for the world. Like it's been amazing. Uh, there are no wars, well, with some very unfortunate exception. But in general, like there are no big conflicts going on. People are living in peace. Most people have plenty of stuff to eat like we are just spoiled really in hindsight compared to what was happening 100 or 200 years ago and we are still so fucking afraid of combining foods together like oh my goodness i can't drink uh, the amount of crap i've been told like when i would eat two apples like oh my god you are going to get sick you are going to get acid in your stomach you are going to get this you are going to get that like what the hell I have been eating four to five apples in one sitting for years and I have been fine every single time. And, or, yeah, you know, easy, simple combination. Like whenever people see me, like I eat my colored cheese and then I eat my oranges. <gasps> oh, is that healthy? Can you do that? Don't you know that you're going to get insert some stupid shit into here? Like, no, you're not. You're fine. Relax. Calm down. You're okay. Your digestive system is a very, very, evolved system it's it's going to be fine as long as you're not an idiot and you don't start putting snake venom into it or pee or whatever the hell people inject into their bodies these days so um anyway my my ramble is 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 ending here i just want to finalize kind of with this that you are not fragile stop being afraid of foods especially foods that we have been eating for (laughs) gluten i mean come on everyone is (laughs) like there was that meme a while ago that people are so shit scared of gluten that you can rob a bake you can rob a bank with a with a bagel. I mean, seriously. Like bread has literally changed the course of history, has changed the lives of pretty much people in general. Like agriculture revolutionized the world and now we are afraid of gluten. Like half the world has a gluten sensitivity or something like that. I mean, give me a break. Yeah. Yeah, and it's one of those things that a lot of this is just reinforced by people that are selling stuff like supplements and whatever diets or books or some, 
things like that. I mean, the whole bulletproof diet uh, ideology is based on this, that it creates a problem for you and that it offers a solution. And it says like, okay, the reason you're whatever, not performing as sharply at work or you're tired or something is because of these reasons. Because everybody has something. I mean, none of us function 100% optimally. We all have days when we are tired or we go through a period when our digestion is not as good as it should be. Maybe we ate something that we just don't react well to, or maybe we just don't sleep well on a couple of nights. And then if you read something like, do you have whatever, do you have digestive issues? Do you have mm-hmm. problems with sleeping? It's mm-hmm. not, it's not without any reason. And then all of a sudden like, oh, okay. So it was like, I knew there was something wrong with me, but luckily this, whatever master has the solution for it. And then that's how, you know, it's just a self-reinforcing loop after that. So, yeah. You know, it reminds me of astrology and you know, those zodiacs or whatever. Oh yeah. Like, you know, today you are going to go to work. Oh. <gasps> <laughs> yes. Today yeah. you are going to meet people. Oh, today you are going to encounter not so nice people. Today you are going to encounter someone nice and they are going to smile on you. Oh my goodness, it was right. Like, yeah. Holy crap, that applies to literally everyone. So yeah, <laughs> same with this, as you mentioned, like, do you have, do you have sometimes, does your stomach hurt sometimes? Mm-hmm. Does your head hurt sometimes? Mm-hmm. Do you sometimes feel tired? Mm-hmm. Do you sometimes feel irritated mm-hmm congratulations you have whatever disease here are these peers i mean <laughs> everyone like you said everyone has those days that doesn't mean that something is wrong with you yeah yeah same thing with um with these movement specialists and people who oh, die oh, you know goodness. anterior yeah, yeah. pelvic tilt and whatever like i, I heard some maybe it was brett contreras who said that basically like 90 percent of the population could be diagnosed with some disc uh some abnormalities in their yeah, spine and yeah. things like that and yet they're fine so yeah yeah oh absolutely i i was actually thinking of this when i said that it's goes beyond diet i mean i have a friend gary mcgowan shout out to skinny guys he is very much into the physio realm he's a physiotherapist at least he's studying for it and he posts like every single day crap people make up to scare people it's unfreaking believable i mean like for example, the other day I was, <laughs> I was just telling him this yesterday that our gym owner unfortunately shared some stupid article of how uh, these are the perfect positions you should sleep in to avoid pain, and it it literally said that uh, sleep on your back if you want to sleep well, and uh, at any cost you must avoid sleeping on your stomach, otherwise you will get back pain and neck pain and this and that. That was like first of all the language you're using is stupid and pointless, and second of all. How in the hell are you supposed to monitor that? I mean, okay, let's let's presume that you actually fall asleep on your back. Then what? I mean, you're asleep, so you don't know what's going on. What happens if you actually turn on your side or if you <gasps> turn on your stomach? Then what? Yeah. Do you, should you have like someone who's watching over and just slap you and roll you over or what? <laughs> no, it's so fucking stupid, but... yeah. Yeah, it's one of those things like when people talk about uh, monitoring your sleep and how much deep sleep you get or whatever. It's like, yeah. okay, so what, what do you do? Like n- tomorrow you're trying to sleep harder or like <laughs> exactly what are you going to do about it? So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I can talk about um, these topics for a long time. I mean, there are so many stuff that HRV and blood glucose monitoring and the sleep stuff and this cycle and that cycle and this and that and... Honestly, it's, it just makes people, like I said, it makes them more scared and more afraid that something is wrong with them and all of these things when 
if they focused on the on the fundamental sound stuff that we all know that we all know it works um 99 of these things would be fixed so agreed okay i think we did a good job covering this so i think we should probably uh wrap this up um any takeaways summaries i think simply being more educated and um examining having some sort of critical thinking and critical examination framework to um, filter information through probably good idea like um, asking stuff like is this absolutely necessary does this actually make sense does this respect fundamental principles that i know are are good like energy balance for example um if they are aware of it of course if they are not likely (laughs) that's where you should start Um, um if you see a claim made by someone you should probably ask, is this person benefiting somehow from me being scared by this information? And if so, then likely that's uh, a sign that it's um, something you should not really take seriously. <laughs> by the way, <laughs> I was actually messaged by someone asking that, um, what do I think about this Netflix documentary called Brace Yourself? Root Cause, pun intended. And it's apparently about uh, uh, the hidden thing that's been fucking up your health and it's your root canal so yeah so your teeth your teeth is basically what's uh, making you sick and fat and unhealthy and all those things so if you want more information you can check this out in the latest bullshit netflix documentary jesus christ <laughs> yeah if, if, if you have a netflix subscription then waste your time watching black mirror at least because at least that's good <laughs> <laughs> Okay, any um, takeaways, um, quick summary that you would like to leave people with? Yeah, I think I think if you're hearing something and it claims, if it portrays this whole picture of health and fitness to be just much more simple, simple in the sense that you can just fix everything by fixing one little variable. And generally, just if it just sounds too good to be true, maybe it is, and generally it is. And I guess this is something that you should you should just see in other areas of your life. I mean, what what is ever so easy and quick of a fix in life? I mean, you want to get a college diploma or you want to build a career for yourself. You want to build a healthy relationships around you. I mean, everything is a process and there are a couple of fundamental things that you need to address before you can worry about the minor things. And the same thing applies for health and fitness. I mean, if you're reading something in... A headline which claims that you can just fix this one minor thing in your life and everything will fall into place. I mean, seriously, like that might be very appealing for like someone who, I don't know, for a child, but we should know better at some point than that. And uh, also, I guess if when someone is just starting out, it's just useful to find people that they can trust. And that's that's honestly one of the most beneficial first steps that anyone can take. Just find the right people in the industry because it will take some time to develop your own critical thinking skills and to have that in internal filter when you can just look at some headline or some piece of information from some random website and can vet it out for yourself that, okay, this just doesn't make any sense and this is just stupid. It will take some time. I know that it did for me until you get there. And before you actually get there, it can be very useful to just have a community around you and just have your kind of external filters who will kind of guide you as to which information is likely bullshit and which is the one that makes sense. So, yeah. Yeah. And um, one more final message from me, please, for the sake of everything that's 
holy or whatever. <laughs> However, people start these these kinds of things. If you only have been training for like a year or a year and a half, and you only know what you did for yourself, you have no experience coaching others, which I hope you are not if you have only been training for a year, although you would be surprised. Please, if there is a guy or a girl, someone who has been training for like five or six times the time that you have, and they have also been working for people and they also seem to have produced results for themselves and for others. If they tell you something, please apply Jordan Peterson's rule and assume that they know something that you don't. And don't just assume that you know everything and um, you have found the Holy Grail and you don't need to know anything further from this point. Because that's a mindset that's, uh, well, the mindset of assuming that the other person knows something that you don't is a very good thing. And, um, you know, in that situation, that person probably does. So it's a pretty helpful uh, rule of thumb to, to use. Yeah, I love that. Okay, let's end it here. Abel, thanks again for talking with me and not letting me speak alone. My pleasure. Always fun talking to you. And that was episode 24 of the Muscle Engineer Podcast with Abel Chaboy. I hope you enjoyed it and you find it at least somewhat helpful and useful. So... Just to end it, I wanted to clarify some things. I hope, um, and I did mention this during the episode too, but I hope I didn't, or we didn't sound too preachy or too elitist in our um, conversation. That certainly wasn't our intention. Like, this was mostly a result of accumulated frustrations and, well, disappointments and sadnesses and a bunch of um, experiences that have um, accumulated over the years when I heard and I gave examples of this during the episode but I had so many encounters with people who either don't know better or they think that it's the right way or they feel somewhat morally superior because they do things a certain way and it's just not really productive at all and like I mentioned in the episode there is a very big difference between doing something because you want to do it or because you think you have to do it and you are afraid that you are not going to have results if you don't do it. So there is a very big difference between deliberately deciding to track macros because you enjoy it and it doesn't interfere with your life versus being uh, terrified that if you stop tracking macros you will turn a beast and you will lose all of your gains which is probably not going to happen i am not going to end it with my takeaways for this episode either because we kind of summarize things towards the end and i think this is one of those episodes where the entire conversation is a very practical one so i don't really see a need to it i will leave those summaries for the episode that are a bit more theoretical and a bit more scientific in nature this was intentionally laid out to be a more practical and a more implementable one so i hope we at least partially achieved that outcome now with that i would like to thank you again for tuning in it's honestly amazing and astonishing to think that anyone would want to hear what i ramble about so it's always a pleasure and an honor to have hundreds of you tune in to each episode. So thank you again. And um, I will speak with all of you soon in the next episode.